Hi, this is Vivian Kavam from TandemWorks, and you are listening to Success in Iowa. Welcome to this episode of Success in Iowa. I'm Todd Studer. In studio today, oh, this is going to be fun, uh, Dan Olson of Sack of Lions, recording artist and uh, local Council Bluffs resident. Back Dan, you live just down the street from me here. I do. I, I, can, see, I can see you from my for my window. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. You can see the sign lit up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It keeps me up at night. It's so bright. <laughs> <laughs> you grew up uh, in the area, correct? Yeah. I grew up about, oh, what's it, 20 some miles. I grew up on a farm uh, between Neola and Persia, Iowa. So, right. I went to school at Tri Center. So, like, if you know where that school's at, I lived you bet. Right, a quarter mile away, just out, out in the middle of nowhere. Out in the middle of yeah, nowhere. On a farm out there. Yeah. It's the best, best, best place to grow up ever. It was great. What gets you from a farm in rural Western Iowa to, all right, now I, I want to make music for a living. How do you do that? Well, I'll tell you what, it all, I think it all started back um, when I was a kid. Um, my grandma, Lucille, um, whenever my parents were at work or uh, on vacation, like we would stay with my grandparents and she had this old organ and she would teach me songs on the organ but when I was just a little, little kid. And I still remember these songs. And then uh, after that, my mom put me in piano lessons. And as a kid, I was like, all I wanted to do was be outside shooting guns, playing basketball and stuff. <laughs> but I'm sitting here and my mom was like, you're going to thank me for this someday. So I, I was you know, playing piano growing up. And I just always wanted to, to, to actually write music. And then... Uh, you know, when I was about 16, I got really more into sports. So I, my mom said, you can quit piano if you want, but you're going to regret it. I was like, I'm 16. I know everything in the world. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did when so, I was 16. Yeah. So I quit and uh, it was uh, it was one of the biggest mistakes in my life. I wish I would have still taken it because I love playing piano so much. But I got enough to learn to kind of write. And then a few years passed and I was probably in my early 20s and I just really had that bug again and what almost any musician does is they start out in a punk band because it's three chords, tons of distortion, hide all your mistakes. <laughs> and so I started playing in punk bands around town. And as, as I got a little bit older, I kept, you know, changing. And I was like, God, when I was a kid on the farm, I used to love everything that this station down here is playing, all the 90s country, you know, the Garth and Alan Jackson, Brooks and Dunn. I was like, I really want to write something that I believe in, something genuine. So... I went and uh, my buddy Dylan uh, Wade, who was in my punk band, were like, let's write some serious country songs. So we wrote this first song. It's called A Dog Named Tim. It has nothing to do with a dog <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, and we entered it in this like songwriting co uh, contest. And we got chosen to uh, do a songwriting session with Roseanne Cash. Oh, wow. So this is, this is, this is so funny. This is a real short story of how we got the name Sack of Lions. So me and Dylan go to meet Roseanne Cash, and we submitted our song as untitled. We didn't have a name for the band, didn't have a name for anything. So we're walking up to the door, and I was like, Dylan, what do we, we, should, we need to have a name. And he's like, it's either Leather Tuxedo or Sack of Lions. And the door opened, and I'm like, hi, we're Sack of Lions. <laughs> so what's funny is we're going to call our new album that's coming out this year Leather Tuxedo, so it's a whole full circle wow, thing. But that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so it just, it just uh, to a long answer to it, uh, the question is, it just, I've always had music. I mean, my mom was the, was the organist at our church, so I've always, you know, my mom's an incredible musician. She can just read music like a book, which I wish I could do, but I just always had music around me and loved that country music and... uh 
once I wrote that first song, I was like, this is what I should be doing. And since then, it's been like the wildest dreams coming true. It's crazy. I've heard from other musicians and also national musicians. I'm flashing back to when I watched the Tom Petty documentary. Oh, and he gosh, talked about one of how, the best. Oh, yeah. When he talked about how he wrote songs mm-hmm. and also with the Eagles documentary about how, you know, Glenn Fry wrote songs and Jackson Brown wrote songs. Oh. I'm curious, though, how, how's the process for you? When you sit down to write a song, how does that how does it lay out for you? Um, by the way, if anybody, whoever's listening, those are two of the best music documentaries I've ever seen, the Tom Petty and the Eagles one. Oh, yeah. I, I, I started, uh, the Tom Petty one is, is called Running Down a Dream, and I started that documentary at 9.30 at night and realized 30 minutes in, that oh, this thing lasts for four hours, and I couldn't right. shut it off. It's one, it's one of the best, and so is the Eagles one. Um, if you're looking for a music documentary, those two are hands down two of the best ever. Um but so when it comes to like for me writing music, it really it kind of depends on if I'm writing solo or if I'm doing like a co-write with somebody. For me, I always have these. I have a like in my phone. I have just notes and notes and notes of like things that I'll think of and like, oh, that might be a good lyric or that might be a good idea. And then I'll sit down and just start playing, you know, and trying to figure out, you know, what sounds good with what. But I always kind of have an intention of where I want it to go. And I want it to be genuine. I want it to be believable. Like every single song that I've ever wrote is something that like, I truly, truly believe. And I have no problem singing it for one person or 20,000 people. And I, and I believe every word that I'm singing. I just, it has to be genuine. And that's whenever I'm sitting down and like, I'll like write a lyric and I'm like, that doesn't, that's not me. I'm not, you know, I just think that that's, that's the best kind of music is being believable. Um, so when I sit down, I'll maybe have an idea or sometimes I'll just play and just like freestyle words and freestyle words. And then I'll be like, oh, stop. We got to write that one down. So, but then if I'm doing a co-write, it's usually like we have an idea we're sitting down. Um, like uh, one of my favorite songs that I've ever uh, written uh, is with my buddy Jeremy McComb out of Nashville. And it's one of my best friends. We... I opened a show for him like 12 years ago. And in the green room, we're like, hey, we should be friends. It's like, yeah, <laughs> we should. So we've been, I mean, I've toured all over the world with him. But we were going down to play the show in uh, Charlotte. He was coming back from San Francisco. And we met in Nashville and got on the bus. And we were heading down to Charlotte. And we were just sitting there. And he had just gotten a private tour of Folsom Prison, which like never happens. But he, one of his buddies he knew, he was a... Uh, prison guard for like 18 years and jeremy was on tour there he's like hey do you want a private tour i'm about ready to retire and he's like well yeah and he tells this story on stage it's so great that uh he's like you know everybody wants to go to Folsom prison because you know johnny cash and he goes well i got news for you johnny's not there anymore it's just a bunch of prisoners <laughs> so he got walked through and they took him down to like uh death row where they had 13 cells and there's 13 steps where they used to hang them, and there's a 13 uh, uh, knots in the in the noose, been stretched for 13 days. And he's like, "Why is all this 13?" And the prison guard, it's like it's to symbolize who sent you there. So it's 12 for the jury and one for the judge. And he's like, "Whoa!" So we get on this bus, and Nashville tells you a story. I was like, "We need it. I've been I've been waiting to write a murder ballad, so we need to write this." So he met a guy in there that had actually caught his wife cheating with this guy and he came home and killed both of them. He was doing two life terms there. So he wrote this song called 13 steps about the story of this guy, uh, 
and it's one of my favorite songs I've ever been a part of, but it's like a true story about, you know, a guy killing his wife and his lover, but it's, it's, and, and it, we put this video out and immediately got like banned by YouTube and all this yeah. stuff. It was too violent or whatever. <laughs> well, but yeah, it's, it's, it was, uh, it, it's a fun song and like it got us featured in like American songwriter and, uh, all this other stuff. But like that, that's like one of the examples of like actually writing of a true thing that happened. Cause usually it's just about things you maybe have experienced and like, you know, sometimes it's personal to you. Sometimes it's personal for someone else. So it's really all over the map. I just like to be the most genuine I can whenever I write music. Sliding back to getting to walk into a room with Roseanne Cash. Yeah. yeah. How surreal was that to happen? Cause you, you kind of went for, okay, we're going to just write a song and we're going to submit it. Now, all of a sudden, all this is happening. Yeah. And, and you, you need to try to wrap your head around it's crazy. What room you're in. Crazy. And it was, it, what it made it even more crazy is like, this was right around when Walk the Line came out. So like, it was like they had this whole other Johnny Cash explosion again. And it's me and Dylan in this, I think it was at the Coneco, I believe, or some, like one of the galleries downtown is where we met her at. And there was a few other songwriters there. But it didn't process. It didn't, I didn't realize that that was Johnny Cash's daughter. And we're sitting there and she's listening to our song. And it was so, it was, this is the most surreal thing of like, maybe I'm actually onto something because she said a good like country song is you're traveling somewhere to meet somebody because you love them. Like that, the whole, like the journey of it. And the chorus to our song was, I've been driving all night just to make it home to see you. And I was like, she's talking, Roseanne Cash is talking about our song that we wrote. And it was just, it was like, we walked out of there and I was like, did that just happen? Like we've written one country song and the first person to give us notes on it is Johnny Cash's daughter. Like it was like me and Dylan were like, maybe we are onto something here. And then ever since then we just kept writing and then it just, and grinding and like, you know, working really hard and then Finally, like our very first, our second show was uh, me opening solo for John Michael Montgomery. <laughs> Your second show. The second show. The second show as a country artist I ever played. Right. And then, this is crazy. It's, it, it's the whole story of my music career is so crazy. My third show was opening for Tracy Lawrence solo, acoustic, by myself. Just you out there. Just me. It was crazy. In front of a Tracy Lawrence crowd. Yeah. And uh, what also happened, the, but the, the very first one was the, the John Michael Montgomery. I, wa I was like, I hadn't played these. So I, I'd maybe done like an open mic maybe, but he was playing out at the Twisted Tail out in BB Town, Iowa, and uh, I'm friends with the family out there that owned it. And uh, Hannah asked me to open the show, and I was like, oh, my God, my first country show. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, of course. It's John Michael Montgomery. And then I get out on stage, and there's you know like 3,000 people there, and it's me my guitar uh -huh. and these songs that I just wrote. And I'm like, Oh boy. Cause I couldn't, cause in the punk band, you can hide behind the comedy and stuff like that. You right. don't have to like bury your soul, but these are all heartbreak songs. And I'm like, wow. Oh my God. Well, I got to be up there for 45 minutes, no matter what. So you can either make the most of it or you can be scared and hold back. I'm like, just go for it. And it was awesome. So awesome. And then that, just kept leading to more opportunities. Um, and then I think like my fifth show was opening for Aaron Tippin. 
out there. I mean, like, it, it's a crazy, crazy how we've just worked really hard to put a good product product out that people will believe in us enough to put us on these big stages. I mean, because I've been so lucky that probably 80% of my shows have been opening for national artists, which is insane. It's insane. I mean, bands want to do that once, and we and that's a lot of our shows because... We try to be honest, we try to be believable and, you know, put a product out there that, you know, other big agents are comfortable with us opening for their, for their bands. So yeah, it's, it's been insane. It sounds like you and I have a a similar quality that the bigger the pressure, the bigger the stage, the better the the focus. 100%. You're able to, it, my brain, the, the more pressure that I'm under, the easier it is for me to think. 100%. Now, it doesn't mean I'm always going to deliver. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I can at least focus on that. I'm thinking back, as we are recording this, right. we're a week into a new radio station, right. and along with Peggy Sweet, I started a new radio show. I took video, by the way, of, of uh, the last few minutes before we just went on the air, and any time that I've opened up a new microphone, I've been nervous. It didn't matter. Sure. It didn't matter where it was at, and I was... I was dealing with it, yeah, and I'm I'm pretty nervous. And then when I hit that mic, oh, game on! We're here, exactly. We're doing it. Yeah. We're good. It just I like it. Like I, there's been stages that we've walked on where we have, you know, probably no business being on. But like you walk out there, it's like you're you're side stage. You're talking with your boys. You know, you know, fist bumping or chest bump. You're getting you know excited, but then you're like, oh my god! But as soon as that first you know the downbeat starts, it's like. This is something you've done a thousand times before. This is, it, it's the same that you practiced it. The stage, uh, the only thing that's different is the people that are out there. If you play and entertain the way that you know you can, some people aren't going to like you. I mean, that's just life. But if you go out there and you're confident and you're excited, and one of my favorite compliments that we get all the time is that when people say, you guys look like you're just having so much fun up there. And I'm like, I'm doing exactly what I, I've always dreamed of. So of course I'm going to have fun, but it's just once you hear that downbeat, it's like everything goes away and then you put on that show. I mean, it's, it's sometimes there's, you know, 8,000 people there and sometimes there's eight people there, but you're going to put on the same show no matter what. I've, I've thought about this before when I was at a different uh, concert, saw the Abbott brothers a couple of years ago outside of Kansas city and they did a phenomenal job. It was a really, really good show. And I remember thinking, how do you get up every mm-hmm. time? Because there's going to be some minor changes from one right. show to the next, but it's pretty much the same show. Right. So how do you keep your focus and how do you make sure that you're delivering your best day in or night in and night out when it's something that you are experiencing right. every day? I think that it's just, I think it's the love of what you're doing. Like there is no other place in the world that I would rather be than on stage singing my own songs to people. So like, and, and I'm sure that you've talked to a ton of people that, that have done like that have, in this industry, but it's like the whole thing of like touring is just, it's hurry up and wait. You know, you gotta get to sound check by three, okay? Then you do your loading, you do your sound check, then like they'll have catered dinner or whatever. Then you're sitting on your hands until, if you're the opener, till nine o'clock. So you gotta rush to the city, get there, do your sound check, and then, you sit, then you're just sitting on your hands. And then, I mean, that, that, that's not the exciting part. And then, or especially, and if you have to get up early and do radio, so you're, you're partying until three or whatever, then you got to be at the station at six and go sing a song on your, on your guitar. Right. 
after you know finish your last cigarette and I'm like I'm gonna go to bed for a little bit but here's my song this morning but uh, <laughs> all that stuff whenever you get to that point where you're about to walk on stage it is the most I don't care if you've had the worst day or if you have a cold I mean you get sick all the time like whatever you're going through it's these people that are you know getting babysitters that are paying for hotels that are buying the tickets that are paying for parking that are all this stuff is is you would be I would have zero respect for you if you didn't go out there and love those 45 minutes, hour, 90 minutes, whatever you're playing. It's all about, you know, the people that came to see us. So I'm excited. No matter what, if you're out there on one of those, like we did a uh, tour of all these tin roofs last February, me and Jeremy did. And it's like, you would get up, drive, you know, do a radio thing, do a sound check, play the show, get back in the car. I mean, and one day last year we did... We played Birmingham, Alabama uh, on a Thursday night, and then we drove from there to Laurel, Mississippi, and did this show for this. There's a show on TLC or HGTV called Hometown. It's a big, like, mm-hmm. uh, so we played uh, the their, like, uh, party. So it's just all these hometown people from the TV show. Played that in Laurel, Mississippi. Left there, drove to Memphis, did a afternoon set, and then drove from Memphis back to Nashville, and I got my car and then drove to St. Louis. That was all over 48 hours. And like, like people are like, geez, that is a lot. I'm like, but dude, I get, I'm doing everything that I love. Like, like all that stuff of, you know, the truck stops and like the late nights, those, those minutes on stage are worth all of that. I would do it a thousand times over. So it's just, I mean, if you truly love music and love what you're doing, none of that should matter. I'm flashing back to that Jackson Brown song. <laughs> Stay when, when he wrote a song about right. that very thing about, right. you know. You know, you're going home and you're going to bed. We're going to be on the road headed to the next town. Exactly, yeah. And, and it's going to be day in and day out. And and he wrote a song about the roadies. I mean, that was the yeah. point to the song. I'm looking at your website, mm-hmm. and you played a lot of dates in the UK mm-hmm. uh, last fall. Uh, in looks like in November. Going yeah, back, yeah, we did. Um, it's a cra- it's so crazy that uh, we got we went over it last May, and did. Uh, Buckle and Boots Festival. It's this big country festival right outside uh, Manchester, England. And um, the shows went great. We did a couple other little shows uh, around there. Got to see the country. Unbelievable fans. So just off these couple shows, our uh, we got back and I was talking to Jeremy and I'm like, my sack of lion Spotify was up 25,000%. And I was like, oh my God. So we weren't back for two weeks and we get an email that says, do you guys want to come back in November and play country in the afternoon at half moon putney in london and we're like yeah so we'd we'd been home for maybe a week before we're already booked code to go back to the uk so then we went back in november and i think we did 10 shows nine or 10 shows over 11 days and all these places that we've been before in may which had done decent on ticket sales were all sold out every show was sold out and I was like, it was, it was one of those another surreal moments because they're like, okay, and then, um, you know, the the third day there, you're going to play uh, in Liverpool. And I'm like, oh, my God, we got to go visit the Cavern Club. And they're like, you're playing the Cavern Club. Oh, boy. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And then they're like, yeah, we're going to have you, you guys are booked to be the uh, opening of the British Country Music Awards. And I was like, hold on a second. This, are you messing with me or what? <laughs> so we go there and it's like, like we're sitting on stage to play the British CMAs with, with my best friend, uh, like on stage, you know, he's from Idaho, lives in Nashville and I'm from, 
you know, small town Iowa. And we're sitting on the stage, and right above us is the set list from the last time Paul McCartney played exactly where I'm sitting at. And I'm like, this is, uh, it's insane to even think about. Is that a is that a set list that you don't see unless you're on stage? Yeah, no, it's 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 like uh, there's like a little like uh, thing coming down from uh, like a not little part- partition, and they keep the set list up there and by the lights. And it was two pages that I'm reading like through like yesterday, Hey Jude, Blackbird, and I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> and he was, and then there's a picture right over here of where he was right there, where I was sitting, and I'm like. It just, it always makes you go back to like appreciate so much of like where you came from and how you got there. Like me and Jeremy always talk about like when we were, we went four years ago, we we went and did some festivals in Sweden and the guy that we were staying with wanted to do the songwriter retreat with Swedish songwriters. And uh, so me and Jeremy get in this, this little John boat with this guy, his name's Randy, he's a close, close friend now. And we're going across the Baltic Sea through these shipping lanes in a John boat <laughs> to get to this little island uh, outside of Stockholm. And we get there, and it's this beautiful little cottage. And, and there's, I think there's like four houses on this little granite island. And Jeremy's looking around, and there's all this Leo Tolstoy stuff. And he's like, are you a big fan of Tolstoy? And he's like, well, I kind of got to be. And we're like, oh, yeah? And he's from Wisconsin. He married, so he married this Swedish girl. And he's like, so why do you got to be? He goes, well, he's uh, my grandfather-in-law his wife was leo tolstoy's granddaughter and we're staying in tolstoy's house this is this was like his little vacation house in sweden wow (laughs) so i'm like how so we're sitting out there on this beautiful bluff overlooking the baltic sea with our guitars and i'm like it always goes back to like this piece of wood with some metal strings has taken me to these places that are just it's unreal like it's like it's sometimes it reminds me of forrest gump like i just fall into these crazy like unbelievable things and it's just I'm just so appreciative of, of like everything, everything that's, that that's supported me this far to be able to do these insane things. But sorry, I got off track there. But yeah, so the UK was amazing. Yeah, and we're uh, gonna be back there uh, the last week of May through the second week of June. We're gonna do some other dates there this time though. We're doing the Buckle and Boots Festival again, um, which there's a few other American artists like uh, William Michael Morgan will be over there. Um, I don't know, they haven't really announced him yet, but then we're doing a a uh, songwriter festival in, in Copenhagen, Denmark too. And then we're going back to Stockholm, Sweden. So we'll do a whole little Europe run in May, May and June. So super excited. I can't wait. It's it's so amazing the how they embrace country music over in Europe. It's crazy. Where is that coming from? What Where is that? that I don't want to call it a resurgence because right. I don't think that it is. I right. think this is something that's fairly new. And this is right. because there really hasn't been a huge country no. music scene there before. No, and I think, I think a lot of it, people over there listen to this like '90s country genre, like it's it's breaking through again all over the place. But these amazing, like diehard fans in the UK and Sweden are like, they just don't. I don't. They don't really have it over there. They have they have a ton of incredible, incredible songwriters, but there's just not a lot of them. I mean, like. I think that we have played with almost every singer songwriter that is from the UK and they're all, and especially the women singers. Oh my God. They're so, so good. And so supportive. They all like lift each other up. They all support each other. They all play together. But I think that they just don't have a ton of it over there. I mean, they hear the Luke Combs and they hear the Hardys and stuff like that on the radio. But as far as like 
live music, when they see a couple guys making the attempt to fly all the way over there to play, they come out, they support, they hang out after shows, they take pictures, they buy merch. Like they just are true, true fans. I mean, this last time we were over there, the trains went on strike, which of course is, is great because you get around by trains everywhere over there. This family, they t- they let us stay at their house for two days, took us to this amazing cathedral where they filmed Harry Potter at, uh, like fed us dinner. And then the next day we had to get from, uh, uh, gosh, where uh, Gloucester all the way up to Blackpool. It's like a three and a half hour drive. The train was canceled. So we're like, we have to cancel the show. And he goes, don't worry about it. This nice, his name's Danny. He was a spe- he was in the SAS Special Forces. Amazing dude. Drove us all the way up there, three and a half hours, then all the way back home. Like just going out of their way for people like us. Just just to, or just, I can't say enough about the UK fans over there. They're just genuine, loving, trusting, awesome people. It's unbelievable, really. Do you have goals for Sack of Lions that something that you're hoping to achieve? I'm I'm thinking with the way that you're talking and everything that you're experiencing, enjoying the ride has been oh, yeah. such a powerful part of this, but are, do you have sights set of where you're trying to get to? Not really. No. I mean, obviously like, it's so funny that, uh, that, you know, you get asked this question that is, it's so condescending to be asked. Not, not your question. I'm saying this question is, uh, is like, you know, you run into somebody and like, are you trying to make it? Like, it's just like, because, and I always answer, like, I feel like I've already made it. Like, I mean, obviously I'm not rich or anything like that, but I get to play my guitar for a living. I get to travel all over, meet amazing people. Like, I think that that is my idea of making it. So like, my only goals for Sack Alliance and any music I write is just to keep putting out stuff that people like and that I, that I truly like, because I I, want to love it first before I put it out, but I just keep writing, keep playing. I mean, the whole idea of like record deals and all this stuff is like, you don't really need it anymore. You don't need, I mean, if you want to be like a giant, giant, giant star, of course you do. But like for what I'm doing, I mean, I've never been happier. And like, it's just, it's, it's easy. I mean, it's not easy, but it's like, I can put out whatever music I, I could put out a single tomorrow if I wanted to, you know, just, I don't have to like answer to anyone when it comes to music. So I think that the only goal is just to keep making music that people like and that I enjoy and still like have fun with it. But as far as like, like long-term goals, I, it's so crazy. I feel so fortunate because I had this bucket list of things I wanted to do. I wanted to put out an album on vinyl and we did our white lightning album on white vinyl. I wanted to someday have my name on a billboard chart and that white lightning uh, album debuted number one on the heat seeker chart on billboard. And I wanted to play, shows in Europe and like that white lightning album checked all three things I ever wanted to do. So I'm like, everything else is gravy now. That's it, almost too scared to set any other goals. Cause it might exactly, just happen. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know that, I mean, it's just, I feel so lucky and so fortunate and like, I, I would feel almost bad asking for anything else. You know, everything's <laughs> been so good, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. But no, I just want to just keep playing music, keep meeting new people, new experiences, seeing new places. Like that's that's my only goal, and just be happy, and that's it. How often do you get asked why didn't you move to Nashville? Because you didn't. You're you're in Council Bluffs, oh, Iowa, and, and proudly, proudly from Council Bluffs, Iowa. Um, oh yeah, get it all the time. Like so, 
I'm like, why aren't you in Nashville if you want to be a country singer? I'm like, that's why I don't want to be in Nashville. It's like, it, it's, I don't know if you know Tyler Childers, uh, incredible uh, artist. And he was like one of the biggest albums a couple years ago. And uh, they asked him, because he's from like uh, the tri-state, you know, Ashland, Kentucky, West Virginia, that Tennessee area. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, why aren't you moving to Nashville? And he goes, and he's like, Nashville is like one of the fastest growing cities in America. Why would I move to that city to write country songs? I'm like, that's a pretty, pretty great answer. But now, I mean, now with technology and stuff, you don't need to be there. Like I do co-writes over Zoom. Uh, you know, you can do co-writes over FaceTime. Like, you don't need to be in that city. I mean, if you're a younger artist, sure, but it's like it's like going to L.A. to be an actor. I mean, like, there's just, I don't care how good you are, there's someone that's way better than you in that town. I mean, we were talking before we started recording, like, there's guys in Nashville, I could play 12 hours a day the rest of my life and not be a tenth of as good as some of these people that play down there. So, like, you're hopping into this. I mean, it makes you, it's like iron sharpening iron, you know, it makes you better, but... There's so much more you can do outside of here. Like I get to go tour and play other places. Like those people are stuck in Nashville playing Broadway, you know, six hours a day. It's crazy. So I, I don't. I honestly don't think if you if you want to be a songwriter, you can do it from anywhere, anywhere, because with the internet now, you can put it out anytime you want. You can write your own stuff, put it out. You don't need to be in that city. Um, it's a fun city. It's getting a little too populated for me, but. I still, I'm still down there probably four or five times a year to meet Jeremy and get on the, but I fly there, get on his bus and then we're out of town and that's about it. Maybe go to Silver Sands for some good soul food and that's about it. What do you think of the local music scene and more, more specifically the country music scene that we have in the Council Bluffs or Omaha area? Um, how big is it? Is it, is it bigger than a lot of people realize? You know, it, it really is. It's, and I, I, I feel thankful that I've had maybe some little tiny part in that is that when we first started doing this, there was maybe a couple country bands around here and they were great. Um, and then we started playing a lot more and getting more attention. And then like I had a friend, Ryan, uh, Osbar who, uh, used to play in rock bands together and he moved back here from Denver and, uh, kind of saw what I was doing. And he grew up on a farm, uh, you know, out by Avoca and he started wanting to write country music too. So like, and he's in this band Pony Creek and they're great. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see other bands pop up, but there's, there, it's a really, really good scene. I mean, you have Pony Creek and they're awesome. Uh, Daniel C and the hometown heroes, they're from, you know, down in Red Oak area, but they, they pack shows up here. Um, uh, the Buckaroos, they're from Nebraska. They're really good. Uh, Kaylin Sauce, she's a, a, a woman singer. I think she's from Omaha, Lincoln, maybe. Um, yeah, Finding Dixie, they're from like Outback where I'm from. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of really good country, uh, artists around here. It's, and it's cool to see it growing. Um, Owen Justice is, is a newer guy that's coming up and he's really good. He's got a new album coming out. So, you know, just if you searched out the country scene around here, you'd find a lot of really, really talented artists, which is cool because, you know, there, there's a lot of markets that, that don't even care about country music. So. And it's kind of, it's, it's been tough because they don't really get any radio support around here because you're unsigned and stuff like that. But the shows are always great. And, you know, if if you see any of those names or if you, if you, you know, happen to stumble across, I I guarantee you're going to like the show. So it's, it's, it's cool that, and it it keeps growing. It keeps growing. So that's really cool. 
Well, and there's uh, even farther down than that. A couple of weeks ago, we had a musician on on the Success in Iowa podcast, uh, Brian Lidget. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and he he plays uh, you know a few locations around town and sure. over in Omaha, and his his wife is his manager now, yeah. and he he's able to just focus on on doing music, and he stays home with their son, and all of these different things. And to me, what he is doing is the epitome of what this podcast is about is is success doesn't have to look like oh i've got seven zeros on the bank account you know and to him he is he is successful right now because he's not doing what he loves to do gets to mix in a few of his own songs and I, i i'm a big fan of the guy absolutely and and that's the thing is as is like like him i i respect so much because there's so many people that, not even just music, they have this dream, they have this idea in their mind that like, God, if I could just do that, you know how happy I would be. And no, and a lot of people don't take that step. They don't, they don't take that leap into what could the possibility be. Right. You know, years ago, I, I had a really, really good job, but I was still touring a lot. I had a ton of time off, so I could still go do tours in, in Europe with Jeremy and tour all over the States and... I, I mean, it, I was really, really financially secure with that. And then I went down, we did this music video in Nashville and I came home and I'm like, God, I'm just not happy. The money's awesome, but I'm not, I'm not happy. And, uh, the next day I left that job and left that security. And it's been like four years ago now. And taking that leap was terrifying, but it is the best decision I've ever made in my entire life. I have never been happier and, you know, I'm 42 years old. I mean, like, this is way past than when a person should be writing and touring music, you know? But I left all that behind just to, to bet on myself and think that, you know what? My dad told me this when I, when I was getting out of high school. And, like, he told me that you, have the, you, you can always make more money. That's, I mean, no matter what, you can always make more money. But the experiences is what you should that, – that's the best currency in the world, the best, like, investment in yourself. So I always told myself, like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play guitar, I'm going to sing these songs, and, you know, if I make it to, like, 65, I'll go be a greeter at Walmart or something like that, or I'll get a <laughs> telemarketing job. But, like, I wish more people, and I, and I understand people, you know, have mortgages and all this stuff, and, you know, it, it's tough to make that leap, but, God, life is so incredibly short. Like, you don't realize how short life really is until you either lose somebody or you, like, you know people find out that they have, you know, something wrong with them and they don't, they only have a certain amount of time. Like life is so short that you really just, why not take a, take a leap. You can always make more money. You can always find something else. Like, wouldn't you want to be 80 years old on your deathbed and be like, you know what? I, I tried even, if, even there's, and there's no failing to it. So what if you don't make a million dollars playing music? Are you doing what you love? Yes. Are you getting your bills paid? Great. That's all that matters. Once you realize that how, like, tiny, tiny time that you're actually alive, that's when you start to live, you know? So I, my advice to everybody is, you know, just do it. What's the worst that's going to happen? You know, you're going to be broke for a little while. Maybe you're broke right now. Who cares? <laughs> but it's just it's those experiences are what, is what life is all about. There's a great video clip from Jim Carrey, and I don't know when he said this, but he, and he was talking about his dad who did not go after his dreams, and mm-hmm. he said what the most important lesson that he learned from his dad was you can fail 
at doing what you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And it's a great little short 100%. video clip that you'll see online everywhere. For me, everything changed. A couple of things happened. I'm 54 now, and a couple of things happened. When I turned 50, that was kind of, it suddenly felt like life's fulcrum. You know, right. Oh, there's, yeah. There's there's no fooling yourself that <laughs> the majority of your life is still ahead of you right. when you turn 50. And then a couple of years after that and a couple of years ago, uh, when my father passed away, it suddenly just dawned on me because my dad was young. Mm -hmm. He was 73. Yeah. And I realized that if there are things that I want to do, no one is going to hand them to me. I have to go out and get them. And it's not about finances. It's not about how much money I have. It's about experiences, just like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. There's things that I want to see. Right. You know, I want to stand at the base of a sequoia tree and look up. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to see Yosemite with my own eyes. I want to, I, I don't know if I could ever make it to base camp of Everest because that's really high, but I <laughs> yeah. do want to see Everest with right. my own eyes. That's going to take a little bit of doing, but these are things that I want to accomplish in my life and it's experiences. Yes. And that's why I do everything that I do right now. Absolutely. And, you know, and hopefully, you know, my children can see that path and they can uh, learn that their dreams are theirs and they get to decide what right. their dreams are and, and go that direction. I'll tell you what, Dan, I enjoy the heck out of this. Yeah, me too. And, and awesome. uh, I'm, I'm hoping that you come over. Obviously, Bluffs Country is now in this facility, yes. the studio's on South Forth. And uh, don't be a stranger. Anytime you want to come over and hang out, yeah. please do. Oh, well, you shouldn't have said that. I'll be here every morning. <laughs> Free coffee, then I'll get out Absolutely. of here. Absolutely. <laughs> we got the curry right out there. Perfect. Come and enjoy it. Dan Olson, the awesome. Sack of Lions, joining us on Success in Iowa. We thank you very much for your time. Say, uh, your website, just sackoflions.com. Is yep. that right? Yep. And then, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. You can find us anywhere. And, uh, you know, we'll be releasing some singles this uh, spring. So give us a follow and uh, stay updated. So it's been awesome. Thank you so much. It's, I, I love what you're doing down here. It's going to be so awesome. I, I appreciate you, sir. We'll talk soon. Sounds great.